You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Lust for Life with Mad Dog Matter. Welcome to Lust for Life. This is America's number one podcast as voted on by Canadians. They took a, they took a vote, and guess who won? We did, goddamn it. We did. Hot damn, Uncle Sam. Um, we are recording this the day after Halloween, where we had a party in this studio the night before, and um, we're, we're a mess. It's rough. Yeah. We're it's Day up. of the Dead. It's a weird day. The streets in New York are weird. We're weird. A lot of crazy shit happened. We're going to discuss this, okay? So... Um, with me, as always, is my right hand, Benji Suswine, a.k.a. Ace Sweet, 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 Sweet Wine. And my energy's off today because of this alcohol. Yeah. God damn me, I'm quitting. <laughs> quitting this to, or quitting alcohol? I'm quitting, I'm quitting both of these. <laughs> I think this show enables me to drink alcohol and act a fool for Halloween. Um, Thank you for having me. God bless you. Can't do it without the right hand. And we okay. got a nickname for you coming up we're working on. Oh, I can't wait. We'll discuss that we'll in a discuss sec. It. We'll discuss it. Also with us. One of the greats of all time. One of my dearest friends, Chris Laker, a.k.a. The Lake Show. Lake Show, what up, baby? Yo, what's up? How you guys doing? Thanks well, for coming in. Thank you for being sober. No, yeah. You're going to be the glue. <laughs> You're the wind beneath the wings tonight. Dude, is- I know how you feel, man. It's, it, it, that's a... It's tough the next day. That's why you're not really supposed to stop drinking. You got to drink enough to wake up sort of drunk. <laughs> you got to keep it going. You keep it alive, you never hung over. God bless you. You got to stay ahead of it. So, you know, if you really care about this podcast, you, go, you guys both would be loaded right now. Can we get some hair of the dog? Let's get it going, baby. This is the second time I think I've done a show hungover and still drunk. And I ended up drinking on the air last time. And That's what, true. Didn't yeah, I look on Craigslist? Yeah. It's like, hey, let's see if a broad wants to hook up. It was the most ridiculous shit ever. Man, we take chances, baby. That's what we're doing. Speaking of that, all right, let's talk about the real. So I was walking home from the Halloween party. A little liquored up. Little. A little bit. Um, and I walked through Central Park just to cut through, you know, save about 10 minutes of walking, you know, with time. And because it was Halloween and I had a great playlist, I wanted to walk through and face my fears in the dark, okay? Which is one of the songs on the playlist, Fear of the Dark by Iron Maiden. Holla, that's what we do, baby. A co- the cops are there. They ask me for my ID. I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure I'm not some crazy rapist or some shit and i'm cool with that and i was yes sir whatever you need that's that's on your id yeah he is not a crazy (laughs) rapist you Um, have to sign up organ donor or rapist the guy says nothing he's just hey do you have an id he was really cool i was cool back he took the id gives it to two cops in a uh, like a van didn't even look like a police vehicle so it was kind of weird and they take like five ten minutes and i get a fucking ticket i got a ticket on halloween for curfew i go you're really writing me a ticket and they're like it's curfew it's closed and it's the biggest slop ever. You cannot read the ticket at. Caitlin, you still got the ticket, baby girl? No, I gave it back to you. 
Oh, I probably threw it away. After, Fuck, I'm going to go to jail. Yeah, they close it at 1 a.m. How can you close the outside, though? You're just outside. <laughs> it's How outside. do you say it's closed? Yeah, and so we're walking in the middle. Like, I'm not even in the middle. I'm walking on the outskirts, okay? Like, I'm right. not, what about all the crime going on in the middle? What about homeless people in the middle, which you don't want to arrest homeless people? Well, they're, they're, they're hidden in there. I, you know, I, I live near this, uh, the, near the park. So I go, I got, I got shouted by like loudspeakers from a van once to get out of there. Wow. You know, at Late one, Cause it was, it was one, it was past one. It was like uh -huh. 10 after. They didn't give me a ticket though. But then you see the homeless guys with their bags. Like they, there's people that live in the park, but they're hidden in there. So they're not going to, and what, you can't give homeless people tickets. That, they don't, and that's they right. don't pay them. <laughs> well, that's it. They don't have ID. <laughs> they give a ticket to someone who could afford it. Yeah. And that's bullshit. That's still not doing your fucking job. You're supposed to be policing for the people and handling business. You're supposed to be there and protecting the community and doing what's right. Not just doing what's right that puts money back into the system. That's, a, that's that, bullshit. Dude, that's a mad dog tax that you got. That's the mad dog tax. Drunk in the park after 1 a.m. That's, you know, you're living too good. And I was talking to my uncle on the phone, which was taking me away from listening to Iron Maiden in the park, which is... You Rough know, night. Oh, what are you going to do? <laughs> and... Uh, so this is, I mean, this is what I got to do. So I was hotter than fish grease when I got this ticket. And I called my uncle back when I got back uh, to my apartment and talked to him for an hour 30. It ended up becoming like a big libertarian discussion. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a waste of taxpayers. Money. Like, we sounded like Rush Limbaugh's like calmer like nephews and shit, you know, but just slightly calmer, like not as in insane as he is. And at five in the morning, I go, okay, uncle, this was great yelling with you. I got to go get a bagel with uh, tuna fish. And that's what I did. Then it passed the fuck out. Woke up a few hours later. You must be half Jewish. <laughs> Clearly. It's, it's five like in the morning. This. I need a bagel. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the roughest podcasts of all time. Four minutes in, and I feel like I'm melting right fucking. Johnny, how's this even sounding to you? This is, th I almost canceled. I'm going to be quite w real really? right now. I never do. I was like, I can't cancel, but I fucking want to. I felt horrible. I could barely work out. I'm, I'm, I, I'm sweating right now. I'm drinking coffee. Our guest doesn't know me and must must be thinking I'm the craziest motherfucker of all time. She's saying no good. She, you could barely that. work out. You went to the gym. No, You're I, not that bad. I off. shadow boxed <laughs> and I did jumping jacks. That's my slight workout. <laughs> it's like you're in prison. <laughs> yeah, I prison workout. Someone said that. I, I do a run every other day. I, I do that plus running steps, and then the other day I do that with push-ups, crunchies. What's, what's this shit? Squats, lunges. All that nonsense. And look at me. Fit as a, a fiddle, baby. A fiddle. <laughs> you look fantastic. You're goddamn right, baby. I that's mean, right now you kind of look like garbage, but that's because you're, <laughs> you're hungover. I'm, I'm a fucking wreck right now. You look like you're, you're I mean, you sound fine. Nobody could tell listening through their their uh, their, their mobile phone right through the, now. Through the mobile but, phone. <laughs> but you look like you're just sucking wind. Like you're ready to, you're ready to drop. But you, look, but you sound fantastic. So nobody knows. It's fine. God bless We're you. Good. I feel like you're a third base coach. And I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the, the right fielder who bats last. You're like, it walks as good as a hit. Um, so we have to discuss something before we bring our guest. Our guest here is a, a lady named Alex. She is an artist. She is going, you're a senior. You yes. Can, yes, okay. Yep. In college, and she's working on this project. We're going to bring her on after this segment, and we're going to discuss uh, connecting with people, finding people and discussing, and it's very interesting. Totally fits the mold of the show. And speaking the fitting uh, of the mold of the show, we have to give a tribute, all right? So it's a, a, probably about a week after this dude passed, 
But uh, to me, we have to talk about this. Lou Reed passed away, and to me, that is one of the basis of this show. Look, we stole the name of the show from an Iggy Pop song. Let's be blunt right, right there. So the tide of Lou Reed is right there, my people. And uh, goddamn, man, if you want to talk about someone who was who they were and did not care, was a big grump, hated the media, was, uh, there's great interviews of him just harassing journalists, but uh, just an absolute legend who, that first Velvet Underground record, what, eight people bought it? But all those eight people formed like the greatest bands in the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what the fuck it's about. So I, I want to give a shout out to Lou Reed. Rest in peace. My people, you got any thoughts on Lou Reed? I got some stories I'd like to talk. But I mean... No, he was just, he was a bad son of a bitch. I I like for real. Laker just goes right in and I love that shit. He was he was he was the real deal and he's like like as far as like being like a New York guy, he's like the most New York guy there is, one of them, you know. Very. So, uh about 2 years ago, I was going to therapy. That's going to be that's going to be shocking to you, sweetheart. <laughs> um I was going through some dark shit in my life and I still have not come clean with everything I was going through on this podcast and we eventually will with what I was going through, but dark man Am yeah I, we gotta start digging we'll get that baby i i kind of have a feeling we're gonna get to that in the next couple episodes <laughs> um my therapist was a really cool dude man and this guy used to hang out with like jim carroll and like these post beats like n- not the beat generation that's too old but like poets new york downtown people and he was really cool and we would talk about iggy pop and lou reed and that helped me connect and trust the dude i just remember leaving this club on a sunday night and i will walk all the way to 59th and Lex to get on uh, the, the subway because I like to walk a little. And all of a sudden, I'm walking by this restaurant across the street from Lincoln Square and sitting with four beautiful women. One was obviously Laurie Anderson, his wife, Lou Reed. Wow. In Lou Reed shirt, like, like holes in it, like, like ri- the <laughs> sleeves are ripped off where you could see like the inside of him and shit like that. Like, like, it's just ridiculous shirt. Like he was judging a bikini contest or playing volleyball with Tom Cruise in, in a hot ch- What's the fucking movie? What movie? You- Top Gun. Top Gun. I'm a goddamn <laughs> mess. Just that? cancel the show, John. It's all over. This is not working out. And I've given someone emphysema. They're coughing now. It's unbelievable. Um, Did you say anything? No, because I know he's a grouch and he's indoors. But this is all I want to do. I don't get starstruck. I don't star fuck. I don't go up to people. and uh, No, but he did mean something to me. So this is what I did. I walk by the window and I just throw my arm in the air. And in my head, I go, ooh, in my head. Didn't even say it out loud. And then I walk by and I go, that's my Lou Reed moment. Wow. That's my Lou Reed moment. I don't need to do anything else. I don't know if he saw me. But if he did, he would appreciate it that I was just like that. Because that's right. a dude, I guarantee you, go and interrupt him in dinner. Yeah. He's going to smack you in the fucking face. <laughs> he's going to smack you in the face, and he's going to write a poem about you. What do you think about that's that? That's not a bad deal, actually. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> Fuck it. Time machine. Take me back there. I saw, I saw him walking in the village one, in West Village, just carrying a guitar case. This is a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I just thought in my head, hey, there's Lou Reed. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't throw a, a fist up. I know. I just, yeah. I, I'm not going to say, I don't bother. Whenever I see famous people, I don't bother them ever. I never say anything to them. I, I don't say, either. The closest I came to, one time I saw Bill Murray, I wanted so badly just to go wow. up to him and say thank you and walk away, but he was talking to this really hot, this really hot like black chick. I didn't have to say a race. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't have to. But I, I, well, I a hot black feel, chick does look different like, than a hot white chick. I mean, they're, they're, No, but it's geez, just, well, it's just like, the, a, I feel like if, if I don't say the race, the default is on me. 
right? What do you mean the default's the, on you? The default's white, if I don't say. Yes. Uh-huh. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course anyway, it is. Unfortunately, so anyway, that's how he's it is. talking to a very attractive woman. I am, I am busted. And he's wearing like a, he was wearing a camo bubble jacket. I, you know, he, he looked pretty cool, I, but I wasn't going to bust in on that. Here's what's interesting. If you would have said that you bumped into Robert De Niro, the default would have been black. You would not <laughs> yes. have had to say black. That's true. I mean, that's just known. Um, here's, what, here's the thing with, with it that, uh, who did I bump into? Uh, I bumped into John Macaron at this club yeah. and I didn't bother him. He came up to me and said some nice things. That's oh. someone that I liked, you know what I'm saying? Growing up go. watching him and stuff like that. But uh, God damn it, they're just people too. They don't really care about right. us. We don't Last need to bother week. them. It, it, it's insane, you know, that people want to just gawk at them. The, one of my favorites, though, I did bump into porn star Ron Jeremy years ago in Vegas. He just did a podcast yesterday here. Ron on the, Jeremy? On the phone, through the phone. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's terrific. Uh, moonlight, moonlighting. Moonlighting. Sam Rowe. Oh, Sam Rowe. That's great. Um, Ron Jeremy's, you know, uh, shows up at this metal club in Vegas on a Monday where there's a wet t-shirt contest. Real shocking that this was going on <laughs> back then in sleazy Vegas, my hometown. And he comes on and they make him the honorary judge of the bikini contest and wet t-shirt contest. And people are going up to him and it was so insane. People were like shaking and trembling. So I went up to him and I shook his hand and I could just go, uh, just want to tell you, man, nude world order really changed my life. Because that's something that people say when they meet celebrities and artists. No one's ever gone to a porn star and was like, man, that really, man, God bless you and, and, right. and anal banger six. It got, me, it got me through some tough times. <laughs> I was having some issues. Exactly. I didn't talk to my mother in 10 years. And then because of fashionistas, was that one? Wasn't that like the fucking Citizen Kane porn? Is it? I don't want to sound like a casual masturbator. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you do? Caught me. Whoopsie cakes. Well, that somehow became our tribute to Lou Reed. What do you think about right. that? I think he would have appreciated getting into porn. Real quick, this, I was in L.A. with my uh, doing a show, and I was hanging out with my cousin who I hadn't seen in a while. And she brought a friend. And people in L.A., you know, just love. Everyone is like two degrees separated from showbiz people, right? And they like you to know that. And my cousin's friend was like, I forget what her job was, but she did something where she knew a lot of celebrities. And she's like, if you could meet one celebrity, who would it be? Because I think what she wanted me to do is say someone like Brad Pitt or, some, or Julie Roberts. And then she could be like, well, I was on the set of blah, 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 blah. Right. And let's take guesses. Who do you think I said? One celebrity. Let's take some guesses right here on Lust for Life. A uh, musician, definitely. Okay. 20 questions, this bitch right here. Yes. Uh, Iggy Pop? That, that would have been one of them, but it wasn't the one I said there. Very good. Lou Reed? Yeah. <laughs> it would, I think I've been too obvious at this point. Wait, I why said, are you bringing this up right now? Oh, right, right. I said Bruce Springsteen. Okay. And she was like flabbergasted. She was like, really? Because it's so not like an L.A. He's not like a celebrity in their eyes. He's just a dude in blue right. jeans who goes, one, two, three, four, and just, you know, sings. And that to me, but that's someone, if I was going to meet any celebrity, that I'd want to have face-to-face a real really? conversation with. And he's someone who's moved me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... His art is is affected me forever, man. And I think what he does is beautiful, man. He throws like these rallies and shit like that. The concerts are beyond a concert. Yeah, and you're not even from Jersey. No, but I lived in Hoboken for six months because okay, I lost the bet. Good so what are you gonna do? <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Anything else? Uh, this is Chris. You're going to have to carry this fucking show. All right. Where? I I'm my celebrity yes. would yeah. be uh, Eddie Money. 
which is close to Bruce Springsteen, but I would just love to have an Eddie Money story I could throw around all the time. <laughs> just to, like, in your back pocket? I yeah. Hear, I hear I, he's obscure, a drunk. Obscure people, I think, are more interesting to me than, like, the super famous. You know what I mean? Well, mm. he's, he's not that far separated from you. Eddie, Eddie Money? Money probably does Dude, not me, have that many more zeros in the bank than you do <laughs> right that, now. That, exactly. <laughs> That's why it, it would be a good hang. This is the best. Years the, name, ago, the name's ironic. Actually. Years ago, when I worked at a golf course in Vegas when I was in college, um, Raleigh Fingers, the Hall of Fame yeah. pitcher with the great mustache, yeah. was working for the golf course. Really? It was insane. Like picking up the golf balls? It, it, like... it, yeah. One day we had to get up at four in the morning to set up for the Frank Sinatra tournament. And this was a big deal. And it's for some reason, it's freezing in Vegas in November. And... We are taking carts, golf carts, parking them at the driving range, and then walking back and getting them. We do this for like two hours, and I'm doing that because I need to make five bucks an hour to get myself through college. And you realize next to you, your life isn't too bad because next to you is a man who's won a World Series right. and is wearing a Hall of Fame ring because he is just as broke as you. Because like, <laughs> so sad. I watched uh, like three months before that. He was at another tournament. He wasn't hired at the club then. He gets done golfing. And so celebrities are there. You jump on their clubs to clean them because you think you get a big tip, right? Chris Childs, who was with the Knicks, was throwing fives left and fucking right, baby. Just throwing them. <laughs> he just got that contract. And he's just like, hey, hey, young man. He's like 22. He's calling us young man. He's got diamond earrings, just throwing fins. And when you're in a, working at a golf course in college, $5 tip? Fuck yeah, my dude. Game on. So he's throwing those. So you don't know who's going to throw them. There's Raleigh Fingers. I wash his clubs. I scrub those sons of bitches. They were like mirrors. This is like that scene in Goodfellas. Oh, he, he'd shine them shoes. Oh, they're like mirrors. Unbelievable. And so I get them nice and clean. Thank you, young man. He walks off. <laughs> he asks you for money. Yeah. <laughs> I go back into the clubhouse, and I go to our boss. His name is Dick Payne. Swear to God. That's his real fucking name, Dick Payne. Who the fuck, if your last name is Payne, would name your son Dick? It's a bunch of nonsense. So... I go and tell him that, and he goes, he just filed for Chapter 11. Is, which one's bankruptcy, yeah, 11 yeah. or 13? That's one. It, it, we get it. <laughs> 12 and a half. <laughs> he goes, you could have you cleaned his nuts so he wouldn't have given you fucking money. And three months later. You cleaned his nuts. Yeah, <laughs> and had the same job. All right, we're going to come back and bring on Alex. We're going to attempt to do an interview. I think she's going to ask a lot of questions. Good. I'm a fucking... I think Perfect, the show's going to get canceled tonight. I think this is our last this episode. We have six in the can. I know a guy. Don't Who's, worry. No, it's <laughs> all... You know a guy here. Caitlin, on a scale of one to ten, how are we doing? Seven. Oh, I like your honesty. Wow. I like your honesty. I think it could be... Fuck. I, I'm scared now that this whole intro has been me... I, 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 no, I think it's been pretty good. I'm a little pissed about that seven comment, but you know. We'll, 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 we'll. <laughs> what about Lake Show? Give Lake Show a rating. Uh, no, no, no. no, no. I, I, we're part of the group. I'm yeah, not separated out. Seven. We're a seven. We're yeah. a seven. You're like I, Eddie Vedder in singles. I mean, I'm, not, I'm saying we're, uh, we're, you know, I think we're we're more towards an eight range, you know, right now. But what, What's this wee white man? No, this is my favorite line. Um, you, you remember singles when uh, Matt Dillon is in the band with Pearl Jam? And they get a, everyone gets a good review except for Matt Dillon, who's a singer. And he's like, <laughs> oh, man, he's bummed out. And Eddie Vedder turns to him and goes, a compliment for us is a compliment for you, man. Because it's all a team, baby. This is a team. This is lust for life. We're going to take a break. I'm going to run to the bathroom because I have diabetes. And we will be back with Alex. We will make this shit happen. All right? By hook or crook. Boom! We're back, babies. This is lust for life. Lake Show. 
a sweet, sweet, sweet wine. And we got our guest with us, hello. the lovely Alex. Give it up for Alex. Come on, this is what it's about, baby. Hello, hello. Thank you for coming in. I'm so happy you guys have me here. God bless. So uh, let's explain what you're doing, what your your project is, All right. and let the, know, the world know what's happening. All right. Hello, everybody. I am Alex Wesser. I'm an artist. I'm currently... In college, I'm in my senior year, um, so I'm being asked to work on my senior thesis. I'm a double major in uh, sociology and photography and working on my minor in studio art as well. Um, so I'm kind of blending those two constantly as an artist, just as a disclaimer. That's kind of okay. a constant blem of this desire for the hum human nature and kind of understanding it um, and how I can relate that visually and re create that in visual language. Um, so currently I'm working on a project called the Help Me Please Project for my senior art thesis. Okay. Um, and and what school are you going to? I go to Marymount Manhattan College, uh, Upper East Side, small liberal arts school. I feel like there's a new college forming in Manhattan every minute. Every day. This now one's my, been here forever. My mom went to Marymount. Yeah. yeah. Was it still a, a Roman Catholic school back then? Yeah, it was all women yep. then too. Yep. In the 60s, it was like all women. Sounds like a good Catholic. school to me. Yeah. I mean, it's you, no you had me at hello right it's, there. It's, it's very far from that now. It's very, <laughs> it's quite a different place. Um, yeah, definitely not all Roman Catholic women walking around there. But um, uh, so my Help Me Please project uh, essentially was stemmed from this idea that as a senior in college, um, being asked to do a senior art thesis, the idea is I could, you know, as a photographer, I could think of great photos that I could maybe put on a wall to be interesting. Um, but what really is on my mind every day as a senior and what kind of constantly surrounds my the thoughts every day is how shit scared I am to enter society come June um, and have to kind of fly out into something that, especially as a sociology major, I've been I've learned a lot about and really understand um, probably more than a lot of other 20 year olds, I feel. Uh, and just feel terrified about entering. You are you are really petrified. Of life after college, <laughs> uh, not not necessarily petrified, but I think um, I feel like everyone. I keep using the word despondent, and I feel that everyone, the American psyche at twenty years old or graduating, the American senior in college psyche is kind of this despondent, uh, kind of feeling helpless because the statistics aren't really stacked well against us. Um, and I it's think scary. that's true. I think that's a, a feeling a lot of people have of unsure of themselves, where they're going, totally. what they're supposed to do. Totally. Well, as you should. Like when I got done with college. Right. That's what they don't realize at the time. You ha you get that yeah. looking back. Like, yeah. Oh, that was normal. Figuring it out. Journey was great. Blah mm -hmm. blah blah. But when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the thing. I think when Heinz like when you look back at like college now, you're not always going to use what you studied for mm -hmm. your profession, but you're going to uh, use what you were going through at that mm -hmm. time to end up where you're supposed to. I mean, it, it's, it's basically, it is a journey and you need to embrace it. But when you're doing that, when you're going to school, you're just like, I'm gonna get this degree and get a job. Whoa, it yeah. doesn't necessarily work out like yeah. that. Right. And after I graduated, I had honestly three journalism classes the mm -hmm. whole fucking time. I'm a journalism major. And I'm like, <laughs> how am I gonna get a job for Rolling Stone? I, I don't think I know what the fuck I'm doing. They didn't really teach me anything <laughs> yet. So how the hell is it? And then next thing you know, you're like, yeah, I should probably just be a comic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really how it ends up because you don't know. It's yeah. You're kind of uh, on a tightrope yeah. the whole time. Do you feel like that? Like, I don't even know what a sociologist, I've always, I've taken Sociolog some sociology classes. <laughs> yeah. What is What do sociologists, do? what jobs are there for sociologists? Um, well, I, I essentially took it because it's, again, talking about like being in it and the small experiences you can get it's really just about understanding people at large and really how things are the way they are um and where psychology studies the individuals essentially sociology studies the group okay. um, so how everything socially we're affected socially by each other by things you know opposed on us uh, 
whether that be, you know, laws or rules or, you know, norms that we follow gender wise, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, so sociology essentially has just led me to really understanding at large a lot of, for one, that I am a social being. And I always constantly say, I usually, I disagree with just about everything that I've been taught is true. And I can't deny that I am the way I am because of outside things that have affected me. Right. Um, but for the, you know, further than sociology and down that line and everything else, um, I think it's also not even just this despondent feeling as a 20 year old, but that also gets hard when talking about dark places and how you <laughs> maybe will go there in the future about talking about them. Um, I think we all kind of have those dark places and a big part of my project um, essentially is that I definitely do too. Um, and trying to deal with that and feeling every day somehow feeling inspired or motivated to do things is hard and especially hard then in this particular time period of life where this is really the first time you're confronted with not feeling you know not feeling inspired you're out of this high school years of being excited for you know college you're here at the end now and now you generally you felt inspired in high school because what you're going to this new exciting thing in college right? yeah i guess because you you know that that's not necessarily the end yet for before you fly out of the nest, you know? It's like you were told, you know, you go to school for 12 years. That's, you know, you're, you do that. You have to do that. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of high school, it's kind of like you still have essentially this kind of little, like, nice landing pad to have, like, another four years to really figure, kind of think you're figuring things out or get it together. Some people, not everybody, obviously. Um, and then after college, all grown's up, babies. Yeah. <laughs> I think college is harder than life. Yeah, college. You got, I think so. You got so many places to be. Everybody's hassling you. Yeah, you got like life. You just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I get up whenever. <laughs> I go. I do whatever the hell I want. I think it's people. The best. I think people like that. That force, not force structure, but the 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 structure in their life that's not you know that they don't create their own schedule almost. Yeah. Like oh, I just have to be here and do this, and everything's good. Okay, I can. That makes sense to me. Like the work. Like there's all that homework though. Yeah. yeah. All these reports. Like I even. Dude, I I graduated with an accounting degree. I was an accountant for six years. I know I don't look like it now, but I did that shit. <laughs> and I could just go to work and watch Netflix and blow shit off and do whatever I wanted to do. And like, you know, I got away with it for a bit. You couldn't do that in college. But college mm -hmm. taught you to be responsible when you need to. Like college was like an addiction to me to the mm -hmm. point that when after I graduated, I was still putting shit in my head, like trying to remember things that I was cramming for for a test. Like I, I kind of became addicted to studying. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest shit in the world. You're like, man, I really want to look over notes about Alexander the Great right now. Like what the, why? I don't give a fuck about Alexander the Great. <laughs> why? That's a good thing though. But, but I became like addicted to having to just look over shit constantly and writing papers. Like I, you wake up, I had to write papers all the time. People were like, why don't you write jokes? It's because I was writing 20 pages of uh, reports every week, plus writing articles for the school paper. Fuck wow. you and fuck computers. I don't want to ever look at one again. I don't want to type ever again. They can kiss my chutch. Papers are the chuch. worst. It's, you got, I hate them. So you're in college. Yep. You're, you're almost done. Now you're 20 and you're about to graduate? I'm 21. You're 21. Yep, about to graduate in June. Holy shit. And this was four years? Did you, did you sneak mm -hmm. into college early? Uh, are you one no. of them? Are you, one of, are you a genius? I'm one of those kids that skipped kindergarten. Because maybe I'm a genius. I don't know. You no, didn't I, go to kindergarten. I, I asked to be moved up from kindergarten, actually. You asked you personally. Parents. Yeah, that's a really great story. No, no, totally me. I remember I got off. I, I'm also one of those people with really great memory. So I have distinct, clear memory. I got off the bus one morning and, you know, I could already read in kindergarten. And I was reading books at like three. At three? Yeah, definitely in at preschool. Three. In preschool, I could read books, totally. And 
yeah, I got off the school one day and I was just like, you know, I already know my ABCs. And I just remember walking to the principal's office and just sitting down and I, you know, was <laughs> scheduled five, a meeting. Yeah, I was five years old and I just walked in. And I was like, can I see the principal and saw him? And I was just like, is there any way I can like go to first grade? Because kindergarten is just too easy. And he was like, I'm going to call your parents. We'll figure right. this out. So Wow. <laughs> This is, this is like LeBron James yeah, saying, look, dude, I can't play with these cats. Can, uh, can I play varsity? Well, you're six. There's not really a varsity in elementary. You do not. But So I'm just young for my grade. Wow. So we have like a prodigy with us. This yeah. is outstanding. A lot of pressure now. So this project, the Help Me Please project. Yes. What does that entail? So essentially... Um, as I was saying, I was asked to do a senior thesis and I kept thinking that these are the main questions on my mind. And what I think about daily is I do, I have dark places and essentially that's been a big part of what I've had to deal with personally and mentally. Um, and you know, I've just had this general lack of inspiration trying to get work done. And it's not that I don't want to do work. I want so badly to do all these things. And I think that's what kind of perpetuates this depression or sadness about it is that I have all these things I want to do, but then find myself not doing them. And just, it's really easy to, turn Netflix on and not do much. And you don't really know why you're doing that, yeah. but you are. So uh, when I was asked, you know, knowing I had to do a senior thesis, I was just like, this is what's really important. And I think um, my best chance really is to sort of formulate a project that makes me get off the couch and do things and makes me be, you know, active and really get things done like I want to. And most importantly, to connect with other strangers who might have their words of advice or encouragement or whatever they might want to offer and talking to me um, about what they've had to deal with or how they've been able to do it and, uh, just kind of create a dialogue centered around these questions that I feel like everyone kind of has in their subconscious. Now, are you, you, you say you want to meet strangers. Uh, are, is this one of your fears? Are you usually scared to talk oh, no, no. to strangers? Is this something to get you out of a shell? Uh, no, not, not at, at all. all. You guys don't know me yet, but that's definitely not. The case. So. <laughs> definitely not the case. But I think that um, more so what it comes from is that my friends and my parents, um, those are people I talk to on a day to day basis about what's going on. And they know, you know, they know my struggles and they know what I might be going through and they can always say, you know, you know, keep your head up or give me their little bits of, you know, words and advice. But those are people I see every day. And I think it's something that this feeling or these general feelings, m most people deal with. Um, and I think it was, it's most beneficial for me to maybe hear what other people have to say that I would have no chance of really making connection with unless we all go out there and make these connections with someone. Um, and the so project is a, it's a film. No, it's actually going to turn into be uh, an art installation. Because um, I am a photography major, so usually right. it's going to be photographic. Um, so I'm filming my encounters with the people that I meet. And we're being filmed right now. We are the being filmed right now. People cannot see this because it's a podcast. They will see But this. they are, holy shit, you're ooh, on top of things, ooh, aren't you, ooh, Bench? Ooh. Um, yeah, so I've been filming my encounters with people. I'm then taking those films and turning them into photographic stills. And I'm also collecting audio. And I'll be uh, kind of chopping the audio and picking out any little inspirational or funny or... Uh, things that uh, might happen in the conversations and then it'll be essentially a installation piece where we'll have all these photos and audios running simultaneously so people enter the space and then can hear little bits of the conversation and little inspirational words or notes or advice or whatever happens to come out of the dialogues so which is which is fascinating now yeah, now yeah. how many people have you talked to so far so far i've talked to you guys are the third people i've seen third third, third the best people. it's a tough crowd out there um but the biggest problem and i was telling uh Aaron earlier, the biggest problem is that I'm hanging flyers everywhere, Yes. but I'll go back to these locations and they've been ripped down or covered up. So it's, especially in New York where so many people are hanging things, it's really about every day. It's a process of, I hang flyers everywhere I go. Because, it's a war of attrition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what it has to be. Exactly. Now we're only the third, so uh, you're getting us 
Uh, we're getting you early in the process. Right. My question, what have you learned from the previous two? You say you're, you're trying to learn from people. What have, you, what have you learned just early in this process? Yeah, totally. Um, the greatest part about it has been, and, and with the two different people that I've met with, is that everyone uh, who does read my story, um, we didn't say this, but the project is, I'm hanging these flyers around, that then takes you to a website that has my story on it, that basically talks about what I'm doing um, and what I would like to do with the people if they'd want to meet me and reach out to me. And the two that have reached out to me, um, the greatest thing about it is that everyone reads this, you know, interprets the story differently or kind of has their idea of how to relate to me differently. Yes. So the first man I met, um, his name was Saul Robbins and he was, uh, he's a, uh, ICP professor. It's the international center for photography in ICP? Midtown. Yeah. Not insane clan posse. Not <laughs> he's a professor in juggalo ology. Um, would that be the great, that sounds like a, a really wonderful sketch. Yeah, exactly. He's a professor who's a juggalo and shit. He's just up there making fun of Eminem for an hour and a half. Fago. He hands out Fago like on the class break yeah I mean, it's fucking it's <laughs> dude we, write that we, oh you don't write anymore i don't write oh, see oh. if you would have got me 15 years ago in college it would have been fucking done okay let's get in the time I'll machine start it. i'll do it get in the time machine bring it back um god damn we need to get a juggalo on this show too <laughs> let's do it real quick have you ever met one uh yeah at a concert at a concert yeah at warp tour and you the face that she made <laughs> is the face that a, a, a pretty young girl <laughs> should make when she meets a goddamn juggalo. A juggalo, they went to a non non ICP concert, or was ICP at Warp Tour? They, they probably wanted to hate on some people right. there. Yeah, no, they were at they were at Warp Tour. There was a few, they were just walking around. I don't really, I never even saw them actually in any Wiley watching anyone play. So yeah, I think they were just they were just there. I didn't even think you found them in this part of the country. I, I thought, was in Virginia. Oh, okay, yeah, there. sure. They, <laughs> Ah, oh, they're, they're, they're sick with them. That was in Virginia Beach. <laughs> they're infested. See, that'll fucking do it right there. <laughs> I once bought a magazine, a spin magazine with uh, Eminem on the covers, the year-end issue, because uh -huh. that's a big deal to me. I want to know who, who made the critics list. And the woman working there had, like, oh, too many goddamn piercings and was just scary, <laughs> all right? And she goes, I don't like Feminem. I go, excuse me? What? Feminem. <laughs> I don't like Feminem. Who the fuck? Oh, you mean Eminem? Okay, why don't you like him? Because he doesn't get along with my band. Who's, who's your band? You're in a band? No, the band that I love. Who do you love? Insane Clown Posse. Oh. I'm like, can you just keep, <laughs> keep that? Uh, just get, give me the receipt. Let's just fucking go. Where Don't put it in the bag. This is ridiculous. It was like at a Sam Goody's in goddamn at a mall in Vegas. And it, it, I was like, you're out of your fucking. If that's your favorite band, you're crazy. They're a real tight knit. Like they, it, it's a. I'm scared a little bit. Yeah. As you should be. Yeah. I feel like if you don't think about it, it might be fun. What, to be in a juggalo? To be surrounded by them. Because they kind of just don't care, which is kind of nice, you know, I guess. I feel like it's nice maybe to be around any group of people that just kind of lets go. Ladies and gentlemen, give maybe it up for the voice yeah, right? of reason on this <laughs> show. She understands what we're doing better than we. All right, off track. Sorry, guys. It's Alcohol. Right. What do you fucking do? Let's just make this an intervention in the this middle of the show is, yeah, right, right now for all of us. <laughs> Caitlin, just start talking about the steps right fucking now. Get us going. You have to admit it first. You have a problem. What's your name? All right, let's go back to a few questions. Denial. That's my question. Yeah. You get to the four, you got to start writing down shit, so you don't even want to... <laughs> I'm fucked then. I can't do that. Okay, so you talk to this professor. Yeah, so I talked to this ICP. professor um, at ICP, and he's also a, you know, a working artist. So it's really interesting because the way that he approached the questions, obviously, was talking to me about my art career and kind of how to propel my art career and find a way to kind of carve a way to be happy but successful doing what I love though it's not the most fruitful you know it's not necessarily a promised 
profession. Um, so he approached it that way, which, you know, is a complete different help in its own right. And then the second person that I've talked to um, was a young girl who's struggling with uh, depression and just same issues of, you know, just whatever, feeling despondent or helpless or wanting to create. She's an artist as well um, in Brooklyn, wanting to create work and can't do it and generally feeling a an angst, I guess, in a low state um so she then gets to talk to me on a more emotional level um so it's just really been helpful that each different stranger completely brings something different to the conversation to kind of foster or help uh all the little different components that are necessarily the problem right now or the issues that are going on but in in life in general yeah yeah i think with everything um the whole the whole thing is that it's it's not just a general you're you're doing you're saying earlier that people like structure with classes and stuff, but sometimes that's part of the problem. It's not necessarily oh, that I, I love absolutely. it. You know, it's not that I love the structure. You know, I I hate that I have to be there just because someone says this is the time that I have to be there, or that a professor can use a pencil and just be probably half drunk grading grading my paper and decide that they're going to mark whatever grade they want. Those kinds of things are depressing. Um, yeah. No, but so you also but, do need to learn how to do things that you don't want right, to do. But then I I wouldn't trade you know the four years that I've right. had for anything because it if anything, has taught me how to talk to people and understand what's actually going on, um, which, again, has been kind of sad, but also I'm really glad. Well, well, why is it sad? Uh, oh, sad in just the way of saying that I, you know, I kind of understand how things work, and I, I know I've read a lot of... Th- I mean, in reading, I guess, isn't necessarily a thing. I, underst- I am a full believer that experience is really how I'm going to get any kind of knowledge, and it's how you keep getting knowledge. So I guess my readings don't say much. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, I guess studying sociology and saying things like that and going to school and talking to professors and other people, it's really more so about you're no longer 20 and have this wistful idea of like how awesome it's going to be when you get out. And I feel like uh, I talked to a guy on the subway last night and his we were kind of having these conversations because I was telling him that I was nervous to come be on a show today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started kind of opening our own dialogue on the subway. And he said, you know, I feel like it's because our generation, we're the first type of people who have been told since we're little, like, you can do whatever you want to do. Have a big dream. You know, generations before us, parents just worked really, really hard. And their goal was to get a job and do sure. that. And we've kind of been raised to be told, you know, you can do whatever you want. You know, you're going to go to school and all these things. So then when you realize, you know, you're 20 and you can do all those things, but you also have to be realistic about how life actually is and how you're going to pay the bills and actually make things work. Uh, that's you kind of get a little bit of disenchantment. Uh, that's how you end up in a cul-de-sac yeah. hating your life. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's where I don't want to be. Like, yeah. No, but the, the idea of like the reality of life, there is no reality of life. It is what you want it to be. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And uh, it's weird. My mom, I wasn't raised by my mom. I was raised by my grandparents. But my mom, when she came into the picture, was one of those, you can do anything and all mm-hmm. that. And I kind of hate those affirmations. Now. Right. Like I hate people telling me that. It just right. sounds... Uh, it, a, it puts a lot of pressure on you. Right, yeah. I could be whatever I want. Well, fuck, man. Maybe I don't want to be anything right now. Like, mm-hmm. that just is too much weight. And it's just like, no, I can't. It, the tr- and there's no truth. Like, I can't be anything I want. Yeah. I can't defend LeBron James. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to be at the Barclays Center tonight marking him. It's not. Sorry, dude. It's not going to happen. There needs to be some realism. Right. And. Is this is your generation called Generation Y? Is that what that is? I saw a piece on it years ago. Something in sixty that, minutes. I've also heard that we're called the uh, Millennials. The Millennials, which apparently I think people are upset about. I don't. I don't think it's supposed to be really because it's more so about we're, we're entitled and we've grown up. You know, we are the first people that have grown. up. I was born in ninety two, um, so we are the first people that were raised with cell phones, and you know, we had we can Google anything and get information right at our fingertips. So I think it's more we're like. The, yeah, that's the sad. We're the 
millennials. Like a, a band that Pitchfork yeah. really like <laughs> the millennials. Yeah, that, it's all marketing bullshit. Whatever yeah. they whatever they group people into anyway. Yeah. It's, it's 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 all it's all for it, so they know how to like sell. Like how, it's whatever, I can't even think of a product. See, but like uh, how about soup? <laughs> so like it sell soup. No one yeah. sells soup. That's why we gotta go with soup. soup. Yo, they were, they, you want to you want to sell you want to sell hip soup Soupy for the millennials. Yeah, you don't yeah. want soup for those old baby boomers. Yeah, <laughs> they're just drinking broth. You know, because they weren't brought up that you could and, you could eat anything in your yeah. soup. Their parents were just like get a job so you can afford broth. Yeah, and be happy for it. Do you think that every generation uh, looks at the future one like, oh, these guys are spoiled, entitled, and they don't know what I went through, or that's a specific thing for the, the millennials? Yeah, I don't know. I find myself doing that to like three-year-olds now because I say we're the millennials. Not, but when you walk into a store though and you see a three-year-old on an iPad working that thing, it's like insane. they came, you know, like they were doing it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to watch. And I find myself doing that to them because, you know, I grew up with cell phones, but I played Snake on like a black and white, like whatever. Well, everybody was everybody <laughs> yeah. was born at the height of technology right. at right. that time. At that time, right, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like it just it. So everybody could everybody always does that and looks back and yeah. looks forward. Right. And, and every generation also thinks that they're the most important right. generation. Yeah. And we had the best music and all that yeah. bullshit. You know, do, oh, I don't necessarily feel that way. Well, I was going to ask you, do you <laughs> at, at 21. Yeah. I don't feel that 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 vibe is around anymore. It which just proves that like music is dying. That yeah. in a sense that it's not as important anymore. Rock and roll is clearly dead. And well, even though hip hop's the most popular music, I think most people who even listen to hip hop realize that hip hop ain't what it could be no, yeah. and what it ever was, you know, right now. Well, it's also it's, music's been more of like a, a mindless activity. It used to be like a thing you had to do. You know, you went to a show or you went and got that record or you went and got, you know, that specific thing. Now you listen to it every day, all day on your earplug, you know, in yes. your earbuds and you're on this, you listen to it on your commute. So it's just kind of this mindless, like, you know, like soundtrack that's kind of playing all the time. I feel like, you know, it's more, it used to be like, I mean, I can't really say it used to be again. I'm only 21. Please so. tell us about when the Beatles but, yeah, albums right. come out. Please but tell us. I feel us. like the general. When Revolver came know. out, explain <laughs> what was going on uh, with you. But you used to have to go to like the store and spend 20 bucks on right. a CD. Now I can go and I can like find stuff. For I would free. never. Too I easy. Never, but yeah. I, no, it's, it's right, better. I, it's, I can I listen to all sorts also. of stuff I would never listen totally. to. But Guys, there's less effort in, ser in searching for it, and that's kind of taking away bet, some of the shine, baby. people listen to more music now than ever before. Yeah, yeah totally, but I feel like it's, like I said, it was, it's more of a this mindless act. You were talking about, like, that, like, morale around, like, music kind of yeah. dying in this generation. I think that's because, yeah, you can listen to anybody, anything, anytime for free half the time if you find it, whereas it used to be, like, the show's coming up, you know, or whatever. Again, I'm talking right. about time that I wasn't alive in, so... <laughs> It inspires me though that someone young cares about like, like like older music because it just that as what you're saying with like three year olds I get that vibe with like your generation yeah God I never thought I'd be old and talking about a generation like having to talk right. to someone going your generation I it's, it's in my mind I'm still twenty yeah. just so you know yeah, I'm still in perfect. college I'm at UNLV walking around with Spin magazine which they don't even make anymore right. <laughs> don't even make it's a digital magazine now walking around wanting to talk to people about the first three Black Sabbath records. That's what really, and now I'm just a 35-year-old trying to find anyone who, who even knows who Black Sabbath is. Dude, time keeps on passing, and mm -hmm. there's going to be a day that you're, you're going to hear somebody say, my grandparents met when when he when my granddad Snapchatted his dick to my grandma. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, it's just, right. and then you're going to die, and it's just no big deal. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's the truth. 
man, we're going all over the fucking place. Yeah. Battle royale, That's and life. I love it. All right, let's get back to your part. And then I'll let you do some questions for us. Sure. Part of your thing here in a second. But this is something intriguing. I read, I believe, your flyer. Aaron, mm-hmm. Super Tramp, sent it to me. And this is how we started this dialogue yeah. to get you on the show. And you kind of address this a little bit, this darkness mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Now, you do not seem to have any darkness. Just to the naked eye, you're a, a, a very beautiful, very good energy, Thank young you. girl. And... Uh, seem very positive yeah. and everything around you there seems to be a glow yeah. but you keep talking about a darkness yeah totally I feel Ex- like explain a, what, what your darkness is i feel like well, most people that feel that they have that uh you don't really know ever i feel like that's kind of a common thing is to maybe it not be visible that you have it because um, it's really more of just a it's like a personal struggle it's that um so i was describing earlier it gets very uh dark or if you want to say if we want to call it the darkness <laughs> I like that the, the phrase the darkness um but it gets very hard uh when you find yourself it's things like like just this general and not even knowing why you can't do it but like I said earlier having this general really I have a huge desire to all these things I want to do and I guess that is the you know the bright side that of me and the positive side that I have is that I, I really do I have so many things I'm constantly pent up with creative energy of things I want to do and you know throw out there um but then when I, I'm not doing them, um, and I'll, you know, it's kind of hard to describe. You'll, you know, you spend days where you slept the day away, and you can't really say why you slept the day away wow. or why you're feeling that Who way. Who doesn't have darkness? Yeah, I mean, I'm suspicious of the person who's like, nah, never, never right, depressed. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that that person's lacking self awareness. Yeah, totally. Which is, you know, you got to have that to survive in this wild world. Right. Self awareness. Self awareness. Yeah. I can't. St- I got I, like we're talking about this. Uh, I get in trouble, I guess, sometimes because I admit when I don't do well. Like it's mm-hmm. like uh, the other day in warm up, I just it was awful, and I admitted it. And people are like, man, it's the worst thing to do. And you, oh, they're like people always tell you, you never have a bad gig. Always tell people you, you did well. And I don't believe in that. I believe in the truth and being aware. I know someone who has never had a bad gig. He's yeah. never had a bad gig, and mm-hmm. guess what? He's never going to grow as an yeah. artist. Yeah. Who is that? Say their name. <laughs> We're not going to fucking do that right now, baby. It caused too much shit, man. Uh, his name? Mad Dog Matter. Never had a bad gig. Um, so, but how would I describe your childhood? Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia. Beautiful. Colonial Williamsburg. It is beautiful there. <laughs> Bush Gardens is probably the best thing about it. Yeah. Um, grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia. Both my parents are from upstate New York, and they're the only two out of their families really to leave New York and go to Virginia. My dad went to school there. They were young, 22 years old with two kids. My dad was essentially a really smart guy, and just, how the hell am I going to you know, take care of two kids, and decided to go to college and apply for law school. So we moved to Virginia. That's where he went to law school. Um, parents still together? No. No. That ended when did they divorce? Yeah, that was when I was 12. That's um, when the darkness comes. That's, uh, yeah, that's a big part of it. I had uh, some dark experiences before that, definitely. I feel like I was um, like defi- what? exposed to grown-up things. Ooh, we're getting, we're getting deep. Are we going to go into your darknesses you, that we're going to? We can talk about whatever, baby girl. That's, that's what we're here for. Um, I Just at a young age, I grew up really fast. I was exposed to sexual encounters at a young age. Sexual encounters? Yeah, totally. Um, when I was seven. Not a perpetuating on, constant thing, but uh, an experience that a seven-year-old girl definitely should not be in. Um, like someone tried to make an advancement on you? Like someone did. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, someone that I knew. Really random. Waiter in a restaurant. A waiter in a restaurant on a seven-year-old girl? 
Yeah, a restaurant we went to all the time. And, you know, it was one of those things like, I went behind the register all the time. And, you know, played around and pretended, you know, at seven. And we went there all the time for lunch. And it was dead in lunch one day. And my mom went to the bathroom. And I was invited into the office. And that's just, Jesus that God. was the end of the story. <laughs> and did you rat him out? Is he, did, did he go yeah. get in trouble? Uh, is he yeah. burning in hell now? Uh, no, definitely not, actually. I I don't we can know fix really that. what turn of it. I went and told my mom immediately because, you know, he knew something was wrong. He yeah. knew something's wrong. Went to my mom immediately. She went in there, yelled, and kind of did her thing. I think he wasn't allowed to, like, work in restaurants for a while. That's the punishment? Sort of right. That's, that's yeah. it? Uh, like, yeah, you don't have to work for minimum wage and tips <laughs> yeah. for uh, four months. Yeah. I think it was, like, a few years. I think it was some years or something. I don't know. Never saw him again, but... Wow. Yeah. So I grew up, you know, not necessarily grew up, and it's not necessarily that that was like something that happened forever, but I mean, it totally affects you. Things, you know, you, and especially as you get older, you start to realize like you didn't think that affected you, and then you realize weird ways that it manifests in your right. personality or your psyche. Especially at that age. Yeah. yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me at that age, really the worst thing about that as a seven year old girl, was that I found myself then. But until I was like 11 or so, like uh, cringing when like a grown man would hug me, you know, or something, or like my dad would kiss me goodnight for bed, and I remember. Even your father. That would freak you out. Yeah, and it didn't oh last God. forever. It didn't last forever. It's hard, actually. He's going to listen to this podcast, probably, you know, who knows, cry or something, because he hasn't really ever heard me say that. But I remember being eight years old totally afterwards and, uh, you know, having my dad hug me goodnight and kind of just, like, cringing now. Not necessarily feeling like he was, because he was, you know, and never never feeling like he was coming for me or something, but um, definitely an uncomfortableness that, you know, began, because... You know, you're exposed to experiences that you definitely didn't have knowledge of before that, totally. Isn't that crazy? How, like, there's things I'm still dealing with mm -hmm. now in my mid-30s mm -hmm. that was programmed in me when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, totally. Issues, just simple shit that probably started when I was like four. Yeah. Well, that's where uh, self-awareness could kick in. <laughs> it's, eventually, it will Becoming kick aware, in. yeah, no, I think yeah. that's what, you know, we, we talk about therapy on the show. But it's huge. Identifying it, trying to be rational about mm -hmm. it and... And putting it in a in a different perspective, I guess. Yeah, man, and it's uh, it, it's insane that yeah. you don't realize the damage that's around you has been with you for years. Yeah, right. it's been there. You that's just the, haven't been able to identify. And the people it and look that at don't have the darkness, which I like, I'm going to start yeah. using that the phrase. Darkness. The darkness. <laughs> um, people that aren't aware of that, I think that's a real red flag. I think you have to like, what type of person right. doesn't doesn't have access to that part of their brain almost yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's, it's crazy docile so yeah. let's get back to so you you had those things happen so then things the divorce happened. happened things happened divorce happened it was a um not a bad divorce as in my parents fighting or like you know arguments over custody but um my father was remarried to the woman that helped end that relationship mm. um and then that just turned out to be a horrible situation wow uh yeah. And so, so th that strained relationship I was, over I was there. definitely, we could, I, I try to like be that girl that's like, no, I was like totally fine. You know, I was, I was 13 year old girl. It didn't affect me at all. Totally affected me when I think about it. Um, I was really angry. I wrote like angry raps. Like you were raps. Oh yeah. I write a lot. I write, I do spoken word. <clears throat> yeah. That's a stuff, really but. mature <laughs> form of like uh, expression and getting it out there. That's yeah. I was, I, I, my mom like laughs it. Cause they were, they were angry, man. Speaking of Eminem, very Eminem esque, like, yeah, you're never going to effing walk me down my wedding aisle. You know, like yes. angry, angry 13-year-old girl things. And did um, that help you, you think? Uh, did you totally. help you come to grips with things that eased some of the pain? Uh, yeah, totally. I think, um, I mean, especially as somebody that's always kind of been like a release in any way. It really is, like I said, I get pent up with creative energy. So whether it's over good things or bad things, it's like I just got to do something. Yeah, so I guess I wrote, I wrote a lot. Um, 
and then and I mean and also rebelled a lot. I think was the what other, were some of the rebellious the things you there. did? Uh, I was I was. Did you like, get in trouble? Did you get tickets in Central no, Park at uh, no. three in the morning for walking by? I was really good, man. I I never got caught. I'm pretty proud of myself. I did really <laughs> really well. Um, but I was definitely I started things early, twelve thirteen when things like that were happening. I was you know drinking alcohol and smoking weed. I started old. smoking cigarettes at twelve. Wow. Um, recently quit. Good for you, um, I've smoked. I, I can't. I can't lie and say that I, I quit completely. I haven't bought a pack since August fourth, but I have bummed a few. Um, but I did quit smoking cigarettes. So are you yeah. one of those who offers a dollar to the people? You got a little. I'll pay you for a cigarette. Well, I haven't really bummed from random people because I'm like still like trying to like hold on to the I quit mentality. <laughs> sure. Um, but like friends will be like, smoke a cigarette with me, or I'll ask a friend maybe for one. But wow, at twelve, <laughs> and you never, it never got out of hand. You still drink now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look at that. Look at that confidence. It's like, Just, yeah, I do. I can do it yeah. legally now. <laughs> you didn't start when you were 12? Yeah. Uh, I don't Mad think dog? so. No. How old were you? I was uh, 35. Last night was my first <laughs> last <laughs> night of drinking. How'd it go? It's no. going great. Um, I've never done drugs. Yeah? Never. No? Never. Oh, dude. We got to like hang out. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> mistake. <laughs> the dude who starts like in his 30s who's never done anything. Yeah. Ends up dead in two years. Well, you had, it always fucking you, happens. Well, you grew up. You grew up in an environment that would make you not want to do drug drugs. addicts all yeah. over the goddamn yeah. place. I didn't need it in my life, yeah. but I would end up. You, you remember Train Spotting the good dude, mm -hmm. Tommy? He's clean. <laughs> he gets broken up with his girl because he, they wanted to put in the sex tape with themselves, and it was yeah. like fifty grade soccer goals, and someone else had the sex tape, so she leaves him. He has nothing to live for. He tries heroin. He's dead of AIDS in like yep. a year and a half. Boom. Right. That's what would happen to me if I started doing anything. <laughs> if I even started doing weed, I'd be like, no, this is not. awesome. Let's do some fucking H. I'd jump right to H. What about you, Benji? You're such a straight-laced looking dude. Me? Yeah. Uh, I didn't did you start, start doing stuff till late. Till uh, I didn't drink any alcohol until after high school. Oh, wow. Uh, I took the uh, year and a half in between high school and college. So I was in Israel. So I was doing that. Started drinking there a little bit. <laughs> And didn't do any drugs until probably halfway into college. Yeah. Yeah. I was a, I was a really good boring. kid. Why don't you explain your life now, yeah. Chrissy? Explain no, what I, you've been are, through. What, me? Yeah. You want to me to do it for real? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it real quick. I, no, I started doing doing everything when I was about 12. Yeah. Right? Drinking, drugs, everything, whatever. Yeah. Drugs, drugs are easier to get when you're 12. No one, you know. It, yeah, it's weird it, how it, that works. How is it easier when you're 12? <laughs> because alcohol, you got to like hang out in a parking uh, lot and some dude, in, in, you think a dude in a Hawaiian shirt's going to be cool <laughs> and get it for you, but then he tells the cashier there's kids out there trying to get liquor. You know, that's not very Margaritaville, that dude. That yeah. is. <laughs> but... So, yeah, piss on him so, and his cheeseburger in paradise. So, dudes will sell you drugs though, so you can, so you can buy drugs. So, yeah, I probably did more drugs than drink, but I would, you know, I would drink a lot. And um, but by the time I was twenty one, that's when it was, you know, I was I was in rehab by twenty one. But mm -hmm. I, I I felt good that I got it, you know, got it out of the way. And then the rest, then it's just like th then you're better than a regular person because you're like, no, I'm a hero. I went to rehab. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been sober now for how many years? Since I was 21, yeah. which is uh, a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's at that point now <laughs> with his age. No, you gotta, a while you ago. gotta just, you got, you gotta, man, because you know what? You you can't, you you gotta keep on top of that before it gets too late. Yeah. About with the uh, with your age, if you're gonna lie about your age, because or not or be vague. I don't want to lie about my age. One of our dear friends, the great Giannis Papas, <laughs> um, I'm one of the, like three people who knows his real age. Really? Yes. 
And it's like, you're a dude. That's not a real dude thing to do to lie about your fucking age. I just don't. I, I'm just not into it. Because I, I just think you should be ageless as a comedian anyway. You know? Well, yeah, I mean. Because like, I don't like the dudes that are always like, well, I'm now that I'm like, whatever. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, I, I, it's stupid. <laughs> it's like we're children for the rest of our lives. Yeah, yeah we are. We, but I mean, I feel like be. being self-aware of that. Like, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. Things are gonna start it. breaking I mean, down. When, when I get when I when I get to be as old as you, maybe <laughs> I'll I'll think of it differently. You're a real stunad. You know that shit. <laughs> All right, I think it's time. Oh, you could start asking us some questions. I think it's time. Man, I really feel I'm gonna be self-aware. I really feel I'm failing you. As I met, Why? I think this is. One of the worst interviews I've ever given. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I, even Benji is... <laughs> and Chris is looking at both of us like, you two used to be fucking professionals. And now look at you. You're too busy chasing skirt on Halloween, getting fucking drunk. You're up here. You're going, buddying around, getting fucking espressos. John, you can tell, is in the booth. Johnny Fetty, fucking headache. We, we shouldn't have fucking done this. Poor girl is trying to do the Lord's work. She's got this darkness. Crazy shit's happened to her when she darkness. was a fucking embryo. And I'm up here like... So did you have a cat when you were yeah. eight? Like, I'm up here. I have no idea what I'm even talking about at this point. This is like that scene in Annie Hall when he's they're talking her apartment he, and he goes, man, I sound like FM radio, the subtitles. <laughs> That's what I feel like right now. And I'm fucking, it's an interview with, with this sweet girl and then all of a sudden I'm like, Chris, tell us about when you got drunk and bought PCP and ran over a, a dog. It's like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I feel like, do you want your own podcast? I feel like it's time Whoa. that I leave this podcast. You and hand it off? You're going to take over Lust for Life. Here I am. Alex Wester taking over Lust for Life. Oh. John. Hey. hey. Fucking hi she's hired. That was better than <laughs> I fucking really do. Good. I stutter. I've been doing this forever. And it's like, oh, my people, Canada. What the fuck? I know. I, I need a good nickname, though. I need a, I don't have a, as an artist or anything. I don't have like a I haven't given you one yet. Name. I, have, I have nicknames for everyone. Good. Oh, okay, good. That's Ace Sweet, Sweet, Sweet Wine. Also yeah. known Lake as Triple Sweet. Triple, triple Sweet. sweet. Um, K, uh, this is the Lake Show, yeah. because that's what the Lakers used to be called. All right. Uh, Caitlin is the killer B because the last name is Bailey. Johnny Fatigate, we still have not given one. <gasps> we don't have a good, good one for John. And what about you? What about me? Well, I'm we Mad Dog, baby. The... What, what, else, <laughs> what do you want for Mad Dog? Mad Dog the Wildcat. Oh, yeah. Some, some uh, Aaron's uh, uh, lady friend called me a Wildcat last yeah, night. Yeah, I like that. Which is ridiculous because I'm already Mad Dog. Yeah. I know. That's why mad, it's funny for Mad Dog to be a Wildcat. Wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one you never get. When you get like animal nicknames, it's always like that shit. It's always something dog or cat. No one's ones. ever like, man, the this is my cousin killer whale. Like yeah, right? you never have that shit. Angry that would fish. be a cool one. Also. Angry fish yeah. would be the weirdest. That sounds like a bad sublime cover band. Right. Beta. All right. Let's do the questions. What questions do you ask people for this thing? Um, Let's hear it. Well, the thing is, I haven't necessarily been asking people questions. It's right, been very much like this. It's been just kind just of conversation. conversation. Yeah, totally. Um, I guess I'm first kind of interested, you saw the flyer or Aaron saw the flyer? Aaron, super yeah. tramp saw the flyer. How does the conversation go around having me here? What were you guys expecting? Were you, did you have any expectations? He sent an email they... going, we need her on the show. Boom. And I go, okay. Like, well, we okay. don't have a guest. So. <laughs> this is, uh, this is, sounds interesting. I read your thing and there was a lot of passion. Yeah. And it seemed like, if I recollect well, it was kind of like, is there anyone out there? Almost? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, it, it sounded like you were in an incredibly dark place when you wrote it. That's that's why I'm intrigued by this whole darkness thing with you. Yeah, when I, like I said, when I meet you, it seems the total opposite. Total opposite. Well, I don't mean to be one of two faces, um, <laughs> but 
yeah, I guess I was, I keep, people kept asking me and I, you know, was formally, you know, doing the project and writing things and kind of had a few people read over it and everyone kept saying, well, do you want to like sound so desperate? You know, people respond you know, people are like, there's been studies that people respond really well when people sound confident and strong. And I was like, yeah, well, the whole freaking point is that I'm not confident and strong right now. I am kind of desperate. Um, and I think more so what I, what I really, uh, what really like woke me up kind of as I, when I said to my mother one time, we were talking and she, I was kind of ranting about just being really irritated with following all these time constrictions and all this stuff I had to do but necessarily didn't feel like was important and I find myself every day doing all these things for other people and then realizing like when is everyone gonna like wake up and really like just do what you want to do man and I don't I don't know I guess I feel like there's a lot of people that do that maybe I'm too young to realize that a lot of people do that but that was the point is kind of searching for people um that could kind of give me answers to doing because I feel like I look at so many people who are unhappy and I uh the biggest thing is a lot of times not even just around we were talking about my like 20 year old psyche and this college thing but even conversations that I've had with older people but 35 or 40s 50s whatever it is and really asking those people like are you really happy you know every day you know are you really happy every day um and I think a lot of times the answer that that I've gotten from people is no they're they're pissed off about this they're angry about that and they really have to adhere to these things um just because that's what they have to do and they don't really find themselves you know, they don't find themselves actually doing what they want. And that's what scares me. And I think what I'm terrified of, um, and what's really kind of perpetuated this just depression of not really knowing. But what do you think you really want? What do you, let's, let's go with this. Let's go with five years from now, five years, perfect world. What are you doing? Well, that's the thing is, uh, perfect world, perfect world. I would be like in the Amazon by myself, like, yeah, completely disconnected, just like hunting fish and, yeah, I think, you think it would you'd be happy every day there. Yeah, I think I would because I think um, what I keep getting at, I realize, is that I'm really, I'm really upset. I think with the general way that things are, I think I'm upset that I realize every human on this planet, um, at least in my eyes and how I view humanity. the world um, and humanity, is we're really we're animals on this planet. We're granted the smartest ones, and we and we're really we think we're you know really great, <laughs> but we're still just animals on this planet and we're here to, you know, live and die. And unfortunately we, we are meaning making beings. So we, you know, we can make meaning out of all these things. Um, but I realize that a lot of people, when every human is born and you're only, the only thing we all have to do is make money. That's the one thing we all have to do is we're make money to, the to money, be alive. Then you die. That's really the truth. I mean, it is, it is the truth. And that's, what's really depressing. I think. And I, and I'm one of those, you know, I just like, I have all these things I want to do. And then you realize the obstacles that really stand in the way of doing them. Things like I have to then work for three years and, you know, to save up for the idea of a vacation. That's the thing that the idea of a vacation is crazy to me. Like, let me take a break from life so I can finally feel relaxed and happy and calm, you know? Um, and I just realized I really, my biggest fear is realizing that I'm 30 and that I didn't do what I wanted to do or that, you know, I've gone 10, 15 years and saved up money and I can finally now take a break. I'd rather, you know, live to live, not live for a vacation or a break from, what is life every day? Uh, yeah, but you just said that you would be five years from now. Best case scenario is you and the Amazon cut off. You're not really uh, doing all these creative projects and affecting the world. And yeah, I know. Changing. Well, that's, well, if you, that's if the if bad you, line. That's <clears throat> the bad trade-off there. That's right. what the and struggle. And I think you started this whole podcast saying that you were very so you were aware of how social everyone is, right? Uh, as as creatures. Yeah, as, totally. As, so. 
I think it's easy to, uh, and I, I, I have the same thought process. You're like, yeah. I just want to not talk to anyone. That would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. I, mine's a farm, mm-hmm. not the Amazon. Amazon sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but is that also just uh, running away type of thing? Yeah. Meaning if, I don't, if it's not in front of me, then it's not a problem. Yeah. I think um, if I say ideal word, world Amazon, I think that's more so just like it would be my way of escaping everything as it existed. If we could somehow change the way that everything is existing, I you probably can. wouldn't be in the Amazon. Well, well it only happens when people change it. I know. Well, be the change. Yeah, I mean, I'm that's I'm totally totally down. <laughs> I love this fucking guy. Be um, the change, man. That's like a uh, man in the mirror. You got to be the man in the mirror. Yeah. I'm totally down with it. That's what I'm here to hear. <laughs> and you know it what seems I mean? like this you is... actually are doing that, especially with projects like this and getting people, especially the people that uh, are in a self-aware or right. thinking what makes me happy. I was having this conversation uh with my friends, specifically, I, I grew up uh, religious, Jew, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so a lot of people are kind of torn in this world of like, I'm doing things, but not for me, is this right. making me happy, meaning in life, but they haven't really sat and thought about it, which right. is, in my mind, startling. Right, and then you just keep, you. that's the biggest thing, then it's like five years, when are you going to wake up and be like, okay, I've just kind of mindlessly drifted through these five years, not right. really making coherent decisions for myself, you know? So what do you think society can do to help people especially adolescents or pre-adult i think they're coming up with a new age group the hmm, pre-adults pre-adult. it's like uh 18 no longer like no matters. it's like no? it's like uh it's post-teenage years but oh, you're not so, yet oh that's the because people get treated like they're fucking babies till they're 30 for yeah. christ's sake well maybe the flip side of that is they're forced to grow up too soon when they're not mentally prepared no i'm just i mean it depends what being a grown-up to right. you is yeah. you know right. i mean i I'm never a grown up, but I'm never. I'm not a kid, you know. But I'm like somewhere. I'm. I'm like whatever the hell I am. I think right, just, but I think it's the confidence. Not like it's not how much money you make or where, right. where you're at. It's owning your own life and saying I'm making my own choices and I choose what my day is going to be like. A lot of people yeah. are are in this very confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing it right. I got a lot of pressure from this and that. And I think that's the age group that people yeah. are. Uh, yeah, you gotta hate your life for a couple years. Yeah, I think yeah. it's good. That's really one of the most important things. <laughs> like that's because that forces thing. you to change how you relate to everything. Well, totally. Because that's the. But I mean, I think some people. I see a bunch of people. I mean, the world would stop if everybody acted like me. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> like, not everybody can live like me or Mad Dog, but me and Mad Dog can. So that's pretty good for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Like, like and you, we'll bring this up and we're gonna wrap it up here. Yeah. Um, you're talking about like answers and that. The, the only yeah. answer is there is no answer. Like, yeah, totally. like you can only be the best you. This is gonna sound like some hippie shit, but it's the yeah. truth. Chris can live his life the way that it's supposed to be for him. Right. You can take a little bit from everyone else and help it shape what you do. Right. But ultimately, you're supposed to make the decisions that you're making, and you and be reacting to the bad decisions or the good decisions that have happened, and that's how it is. It's always in progress. Yeah. That's the thing. There really is no. I don't think there's a real finish line. The finish line is you totally. die. Yeah. And, and people come to your funeral or they don't. Yeah. And you won't fucking see it for yeah. the most part. I'm, uh, I'm reading a book now on the Grant study. What the Grant study is, it's a longitudinal study. So they follow people over the course of their entire life. Uh, they followed 300 Harvard grads from the wow. year 1940. Wow. And basically tracked every possible thing they could about these guys. Physically, workout, eating, you know, even wow. like how, you know how far their scrotum hangs they right. measured everything Crazy. and then all the psychological stuff also so personality tests and iq mm-hmm. and what's your scrotum. relationship like yeah <laughs> graduate <laughs> 1940 they got some long scrotums Harvard, right yeah, now graduate. 
Interestingly, JFK was one of the guys. and I was a scrotum. They, uh, big balls. He has they, big balls. They locked up. They refused to release his information for another, like, 50 years. They're waiting. <laughs> I don't know why. But... They, they're tr- the, the point of the study is basically what makes people happy? What right. makes a successful life? And they were trying to figure out, oh, you see the people who did X, Y, Z were happier throughout the course of their life. Um, and one of the interesting things is becoming more selfless, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is a good thing to be. Uh, especially uh, with, like, children and future generations. And yeah. you see that a lot with uh, with self-aware, mature uh, adults and senior citizens is they're very selfless. This is something I notice about myself. When I am selfless, it feels amazing. Like yeah. I got buddies going yeah. through divorces and breakups, and I've been there for them like every Number day. Number one thing to make you happy is showing gratitude. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I love helping people, but then at the same time, the only thing that comes close to that is um, bookings and shit like that. Hey, uh, we want you to show up, and we're gonna pay you money. Awesome. Okay. My self esteem's through the fucking roof, and that <laughs> yeah. that almost negates. But that's because you're doing what you love, right. and that's not chasing the money. Chasing money is always the bad move. Right. Yeah. That's right. not chasing. You, it's getting getting the money. Money, whatever, man. The more you worry about money, the more you worry about money. Yeah. It'll come if you do. If you if you if you're just doing your thing, you know. So it's like, but getting booked or having a show to do. What what better thing is there to do in the world but be on stage, cursing into a microphone? <laughs> and the reason you're and the reason you're probably getting those jobs is because you are because you love what you do and yeah. you're trying to be the best that you're not trying to be the best moneymaker comic you're trying to be the funniest guy you can be on stage if you're trying to be a moneymaker comic that's uh yeah you got, you're gonna have a rough <laughs> fucking life baby i'll tell you that all right my people i think we have to wrap this up it's um, been awesome thank you so much um throw whatever plugs you want to uh to, for the world to find you if you want more people yeah. to come How and be part of this project yeah Totally. Um, I'm hanging the flyers up, but if you don't see a flyer, you can always go on to www.anartistinneed.webs.com. Um, anartistinneed.webs.com. That's where my uh, story lives. And if you are interested in helping or maybe kind of having a dialogue about where you are and where I am and where we all kind of are, uh, I'd love to hear from you. So. God bless. Beautiful. Be awesome. Big B, hit me, my dude. I just keep saying the same thing every time. But best of BS on Twitter. Uh, but please, please, please check out Stand Up New York, Stand Up New York Labs. We've got a special promo code for fans of the show. Hey, what Lust. is that code, my dude? Lust. Lust. Mm. Keeping it sexy. Half off tickets. Fuck love. We're all check about lust. Out, check out all the other podcasts we have They're here. Dope. We have amazing, amazing stuff. It's awesome. Where People are listening. We're super pumped. Thank you for listening also. Yeah. Come to shows. We also have shows in this kick-ass studio up here so uh keep your eye out for that and uh thanks for listening hot damn lake show hit me baby at chris laker on twitter <laughs> and everyone can suck my dick.com it's the greatest or, website idea yeah. of all fucking time or chris laker.com goes to the same place but i like it <laughs> and you can email me at suck my dick at everyone can suck my dick.com <laughs> <laughs> you're a national treasure my friend uh at mad dog matter and mad dog matter on facebook um Man, send us your feedback. Give us love. If you want to be on the show, if you have a story to tell, tell us. Get your ass up here. If you know someone who has a story to tell, get their asses up here. Contact the kid. I'm the kid. Um, we're going to keep this interesting. Uh, man, I'm going to be honest. This was a fucking tough one to get through, okay? I, 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 fa- I feel like I failed. I'm going to no, be blunt. No. I fucking failed. Did this is like that scene me. in Spinal Tap. I'm uh, Paul Schaefer. I'm like, kick a grown man's ass. Can I kick a grown man? <laughs> I fucked up. That's what I feel no. like. It's Not one of those things. Me. All right, Caitlin, overall, what do we get now? The only thing pulling you down is your constant questioning. It's like you're fucking flawed.
very entertaining to listen to. Bam. Listen to me. Um, Self-awareness. We're going to restart the show. <laughs> the whole fucking... I'm a goddamn perfectionist, all right? The girl who's been filming this, Delete you're working all. double right fucking now. We're going to start this shit all up. We... Uh, I don't know if you've seen our numbers. We're the greatest show in the history of life, and we have to take it yeah, serious. Get the fuck out. This is Listen nonsense. Listen to the Canadians. The goddamn Canadians. Whoa. Don't sleep on them. They're good fucking people. Yeah. Just because they live in Manitoba, they can't they judge them. Goddamn right. Johnny's in the booth. Love you, Johnny. Love Super Tramp for putting this together. Love Midnight Express for being a badass producer and going up to everyone's face last night and tell them how uh, happy he is that he works on this show. And it made me yeah. feel good at the party. Um, Killer B, who's going to be my new lawyer, who's going to help me fight the law. We're going to go and do a trial January 21st, the day before my grandfather, guy raised me's birthday, and we're going to start some shit that day. He'd be proud that we're fighting the fucking law, baby. Give me the ticket so I can hold on to it. Yeah, I'm going to lose the goddamn ticket. You should see the... Just give me the ticket. I have bets on the Bengals and the Lions winning the Super Bowl that win me a lot of money, and the tickets are, like, faded now. (laughs) So if they do win the Super Bowl, who's going to give me the fucking money? It's going to it's gonna say a blank page. It's going to be ridiculous. All right? What are you going to do? So uh, mad love Cousin Nick for the artwork. Mad love to Timmy Styles for Thank the music. Um, mad love to everyone who gives a shit. Um, we'll see you next week. God bless America. I don't know why I say that. It's just a passionate thing to say. Yeah. I was raised like by conservatives. What do you want? Until um, next week, baby. Remember, we're all worth a million prizes. Hot damn. I'm never drinking again. Until probably five minutes after the show. Woo!